You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We're bringing in a new expert today. It's our first time as a podcast getting a chance to talk with him. I got a chance to talk with him yesterday, a part of the wake-up call with ESPN Charlotte. Lucky us, as we now bring on the new voice of the Charlotte Hornets, it's John Fokey. John, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? And we're doing well, John. You were announced as being the new voice of the Hornets at the end of April, so not so much time here. I remember in the press release, they were sure to put in parentheses the phonetic spelling of your last name being very clear (laughs) how to pronounce it. John, I have to ask, have you had problems with the pronunciation of your last name in the past? Because of your name being on the borderline, if somebody mispronounces it, it does become pretty dangerous. You know, I actually haven't had issues um, in terms of anyone screwing it up to the point, you know, to your point where they would get in trouble for it. It's obviously (laughs) been mispronounced a number of times, but it was funny. I was on um, one of the local uh, morning TV shows today to talk about the Hornet schedule. And, you know, we spent the first couple of minutes talking about the uh, talking about my last name, honestly. And when I left, uh, I got a text from my wife, and she said, boy, people down here really like to talk about your last name. <laughs> and it's funny because we were in Minnesota for so long. You know, I was there for 12 years uh, with the Timberwolves and the Lynx that you kind of forget. I mean, you know, like people just knew how to pronounce my name. Like, I'm sure when I got there at the beginning, it was a little bit of a, a, little bit of a challenge. But having grown up there and, and having so many contacts in the Twin Cities, you know, it just – you didn't even think about it, but yeah, being dropped into a market where that name, you know, certainly very foreign to a lot of people. And uh, I remember going on one of the morning shows a couple of weeks back and uh, before we went live, the host turned to me, he's like, tell you what, I'm just going to pitch it to you and you can say your last name. And I was like, why? And he said, because frankly, I'm scared to. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's certainly been a topic of conversation, but you know, hopefully as, as time goes along, people will see it and, and not get so nervous trying to pronounce it. I, I stated just for the listeners right before we came on here to record the podcast, I told John, I said, John, we're, I know we just had a chance to talk yesterday. I promise I won't ask you the same questions you always get asked, or at least that we had yesterday. And sure enough, I'm just falling in the masses of being <laughs> of being obsessed with this last name and not to mispronounce it. We'll move on, I guess, to some interesting stuff uh, outside of your last name, John. I know you had a chance to talk with some of the members of the coaching staff already and some of the uh, players within this organization. Has there been a player that's out to you that you know what he's particularly interesting to talk to just his insight on the game and kind of his expectations for this year what players stood out to you the most in that regard I'll be totally honest and it's all of them uh so far I've had the opportunity to sit down with a number of guys and uh get to know them and and talk about their background a little bit and you know it's funny you don't think just because the teams in the eastern conference versus the western conference that uh, you know, you, you, you focus on every team, but it's, it's really different because when you're in the Western conference, you're really focused on the Western conference and you see those teams, a lot of them four times a year. Uh, you're coming home at night and Western conference games are on. So that's what you're watching late at night. You just have uh, a real familiarity with the Western conference, but the Eastern conference, uh, you only see the teams twice a year. You might see them, you know, in a, 
span of two weeks in November, and then you don't see him again for the rest of the year. And uh, with uh, Timberwolves games starting at 7 o'clock, it was hard to catch a lot of Eastern Conference games. And so uh, coming to uh, Charlotte, you know, obviously I, I, I knew the team because you watch them uh, when they do play, but you don't get to know the guys very much because sometimes you're catching the Hornets on a second of a back-to-back. They don't have shoot-around or – the Wolves are on the second of a back-to-back, and they don't have shoot-around. Uh, so you just don't get a chance to connect with the guys the way that you do uh, with teams in the Western Conference that you see more often. So it's been great uh, getting an opportunity not only to get to know James Borrego and, and members of his coaching staff and Mitch Kupchak and uh, some of the guys, the younger guys that are around here working out, and, and some of the older guys too. I mean, we had Cody Zeller in. Uh, to talk about the schedule, and I remember I told Cody, he he doesn't remember it, but I interviewed him back in Minnesota um, when he was coming through on his pre-draft workouts, and so it's fun to reconnect with some of these guys, but I'll be honest, um, you know, I've I've had sit-downs with Dwayne Bacon, uh, Devontae Graham, Malik Monk the other day, and these guys have just been outstanding, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, what they can do this year, and and seeing their development, I mean, we saw it a little bit towards the end of last season, these guys getting an opportunity, stepping up and running with it. And it's going to be fun to see what they do uh, this time around. But so far, just getting to know them and, and getting to know their backstory has been a lot of fun. And the guys have been uh, so welcoming. I mean, from the coaching staff to Mitch, on down through the players and everything, it's, it's been outstanding. Well, and you mentioned you asked Cody Zeller about the schedule. And, John, I, I know in talking with you yesterday – that you were interested in finding out how maybe a coach's view of the schedule, a player's view of the schedule differs from your own. What information did you get when you asked Cody Zeller about maybe his views on the schedule and how did that compare and contrast to what you thought when that schedule was released on Monday? Yeah, I mean, uh, when the schedule was released, first thing I looked at was when were we going back to Minnesota? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I don't think that uh, James Borrego and Cody Zeller were, were as interested in that matchup with the Wolves Maybe as Indiana for Cody, but that's about it. That's about as Midwest as you Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it was, it was really interesting because uh, the 82, I mean, 82 games is a lot. I mean, it, it encompasses, you know, from late October to mid-April. And so as a coach, when you get that, how do you look at it? And, and same as a player. And I thought uh, Coach Borrego had some interesting thoughts, basically, you know, they break it up into chunks. And I remember Coach Tipp saying this when he was in Minnesota that, they would break down the schedule in basically like 10 game segments. And uh, if you try to go any further than that, it's hard to gauge your progress. It's hard to, uh, you, you can get overwhelmed by it basically. And so coach Borrego said the same thing that they break it up into chunks and you want to look at, okay, what's the start of the season look like? How do we get off to a good start? Uh, are there games where, are stretches where we can take advantage, where we're going to have some time to practice in between games? Are there stretches where, it's going to be more challenging. Like you've got a back to uh, you know a couple of back to backs or uh, seven games in ten days, stretches like that. And so you first kind of identify those different areas. Then you start to build in your practice schedule around that. And and I thought that was really interesting because you know you think about 82 games and the travel that's involved and all the logistics and everything. Oh, and by the way, you got to figure out when you're practicing, when you're having shoot arounds what are scheduled off days and and that kind of stuff. So a lot goes into it in looking at it from the perspective of a head coach. And then from Cody, uh, he's the same thing kind of in just looking at what are the long road trips, you know, you got two West coast trips, 
when do they come? Who are the opponents? Are there back-to-backs in there? He did bring up Indiana. That's always a big one. I think he's got two trips back to Indiana this year, so he's excited about that. And then Cody said the other thing you look at is the holidays. And to be honest, man, you look at this schedule, and uh, the Hornets have a great holiday schedule. Uh, trying to, I'm looking at it right now, but they're at Boston on December 22nd and then off until December 27th with a home game. Uh, in my 12 years in Minnesota, we always played on the 23rd and the 26th, if not the 25th. I think we have back-to-back years playing on the 25th. So uh, that's an incredible break in terms of having an opportunity to spend time with family over the holidays and uh, really, you know, for the team kind of get a little break because January is going to be a tough month with the trip out to the West Coast. And then you've got the Paris trip in there as well. And then you come back and February's got 15 games with 10 of them at home. So December, getting that break around the holidays is is fantastic for this group. Support for today's show comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt men's grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank and Men's Journal named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That is LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. we got plenty more John Fokey on the other side of the break. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those kind of glad he's I, gone. I, I, one I'm of the too. only players that has blocked Locked on Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. He blocked us. I, did, what, Some, did, for did we hate on him? Did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Back with John Fokey, radio voice of the Charlotte Hornets here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You were announced as being the new voice of the Hornets at the end of April, like I said. As the executive producer, you used to be the EP and the studio host for Timberwolves radio broadcast since 2007. And John, you were there just when Kevin Garnett eventually got traded to the Celtics. That 08 season where he eventually went to Boston, they won the championship. We know about the big three up there in Boston. Minnesota had to watch their one big star leave the city, just like Charlotte has now experienced with Kemba Walker. John, how would you compare and contrast the two experiences, even with your short time here in Charlotte so far? You know, it's really funny that you bring that up because I was just literally thinking about that yesterday. Um, how I don't know if it's ironic or if it's coincidental. I think a lot of people confuse those uh, two terms, myself included. And, um, you know, I, I was a huge Timberwolves fan growing up and KG was my guy and, you know, got the job with the Wolves like a month after KG got traded. And ironically enough or coincidentally enough, he went to Boston and, you know, get this opportunity here in Charlotte and a couple of weeks into it, Kemba Walker ends up going to Boston. So I don't know if, you know, it's me or <laughs> what it is about uh, stars from teams leaving to Boston when I arrived. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's some similarities, certainly when you look at, you know, what Kevin Garnett meant to, uh, the city of Minneapolis, the state of Minnesota, and obviously uh, the upper Midwest and that Timberwolves franchise. And I think you can draw a lot of comparisons to the impact that Kemba had. And that's what I was thinking about yesterday, uh, just because, you know, Kemba wasn't just a great basketball player. I mean, I, I've noticed this since I've been here, the impact that he had on the community and the way he resonated with fans. And I think 
you know, Kevin Garnett was that in Minnesota. And I think what really stood out to me about both these guys is when they were drafted and came to their respective cities, they didn't just spend uh, the season here playing hoops and then bounce to somewhere else. They really made these cities their homes and brought family members there. And, you know, that's what KG did in Minnesota. Uh, and you could see him during the off season uh, out and about, you know, being a Minnesotan and really embracing the city. And I think in talking to folks down here, uh, that's exactly what Kemba did. And so that's you know, one of the big similarities, I think, of, of when you look at both their careers and, and how they impacted their franchises, but beyond that, impacted their communities. And both were incredibly active in giving back. And so I think there are a lot of comparisons that you could draw to how those guys came in and embraced the city, the franchise, the organization, and really just uh, sort of the mantle of being the, the face and voice of their respective franchises. And so um, ironic that both of them end up leaving for Boston, KG via trade, and obviously Kemba via sign and trade. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it worked out pretty good for KG in uh, winning the finals, you know, that first year with the Celtics and then uh, playing in the finals again, losing to the Lakers a couple of years later. Uh, so we'll see what happens with, uh, with Kemba up there in Beantown. Thanks to John Fokey for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Great stuff from him talking about some of the stuff that he noticed in the schedule, commenting on what Cody Zeller noticed in the schedule. We will also have him again next week. We'll play him on that Tuesday show that we have. He's got some fun KG stories for us. He'll talk about his time in Minnesota. A lot of experience up there. Was a studio host since 2007 with the Timberwolves franchise. Was the radio voice of the Minnesota Lynx for a while. So has plenty of knowledge of what went on in Minnesota after he grew up basically in the industry uh, with both of those franchises. So some really cool stuff left to go with John Fokey. But Doug, let's get to some of the stuff that he talked about regarding the NBA schedule release, the Charlotte Hornets schedule release. You know, we hit on some of those same things that he did. I think the one thing that Cody Zeller said that was interesting to me that we normally don't point out Five days rest during the holiday season from the 22nd of December to the 27th of December. The Charlotte Hornets don't have a game in between then. And I thought that was interesting that that's one, the number one thing they look at. It's not surprising, but we just don't often bring it up. And it has to be nice to have a five day break. That's that's a long break for really any profession. You get a week, uh, a week like that off. That's pretty nice. And for, you know, we want to watch them on Christmas Day. All the Hornets fans do, but Pretty nice for them to have that kind of time off during the holidays. Yeah, it's interesting. They're just like us, those celebrity basketball players. Just they just want to be. They just want to be home for the holidays. Uh, but I think the team would probably, just from sort of a cynical financial perspective, would want more home games. And, and I feel like not last season. Last season they were off a lot around the holidays too. But several seasons prior to that, the Hornets did play a lot of home games around the holidays, and it's it's something you see with some of the smaller franchises that are that are taking advantage of revenue sharing they want to maximize the amount of revenue and the holidays are always a big time for people to uh you know come in to see a hornets game or to see any uh, professional franchise play so uh it's not I want you wonder if there is some trade off if the hornets do get some advantage uh based on the fact that they're not playing at home a lot around the holidays or if it is just up to the the schedule robots uh, if that happens or not. I think one thing I loved about that interview is that b- before we did the interview, you and I were debating on whether to ask him about his name. 
and not because it would have been uncomfortable for him, but we were wondering if like a thousand people had asked him before and if we should ask it. And of course, you know, we, we decide, we flip the coin, we decide to ask him about it. And <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go again. And we're all weird. Yeah. All of us Southerners are weird that don't know how to pronounce that last name because apparently it is just understood. You pronounce it Folky in Minnesota. I had no clue. You see it. It's funny. In the press release, they have it phonetically spelled for you in parentheses. Folky. I mean, we're one letter away from meet the Fockers here. And they were sure to make, hey, Folky, we're not going with John Falk because I'm, I mean, that's even scary. Me radio guy, a little scary to even say that anytime I've got my face in a microphone. Well, I, look, I bet there's a name from the South that we know how to say immediately as soon as we see it, like Darlene. Like when you see Darlene, you know, you know, in the South, you know, it's Darlene. But I, I think wonder. We need a better example. Well, okay. I mean, go ahead, sir. Darlene, is that how you? Well, pronounce that's what it I'm saying. Like you, I what think, is, I think, some, I think someone from the Midwest <laughs> would look at that name and maybe do a double take and wonder, ooh, how that's a, a couple of e's in there, a couple of curveball e's. How do I pronounce that? <laughs> The new Locked On NFL is on fire, and last week it was one of the most listened-to NFL shows with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with plenty more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, Nas. they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get- P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Oh, nada. We need nada back on the show. Hey, it's been you, too you long. promised. You promised you were going to get him, and you didn't deliver. Did I promise on getting him, or did I uh, promise that I'd reach out to him? I'll have to check the tape, but I'm pretty sure you promised to promised to book him on the show and, and didn't. It, so It doesn't sound unlike me, because but, I thought that nada was going to join, and then I talked to him and was like, hey, we got Foki on for a couple of segments. Do you want to hop on the podcast today, even if it's just for one segment, or do you want to do it? To where a full podcast is dedicated to you. And of course, Nada, he wants all of the takes. He wants all of the segments. He said, yeah, let's just do it another day. Going back to that rejoin, we were trying to figure out what celebrities that uh, we could use to entice free agents. And we said Nelly and Master P. Now I just think you need Nick Coaster. You said that- Master P. I you s- said Nelly and Master P. Okay, yeah, I said <laughs> Nelly and Master P. I have great suggestions, by the way. Uh, but now I think all you need is that. Have you seen this dancing uh, weatherman, the Nick Coaster? He's like blowing up uh, Instagram. I used to work with this guy. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Like a lot of these people who become Instagram celebrities and get, you know, regrammed. I don't know what, what's what's the retweet of, of Instagram. I don't know. But a lot of times, I'm not, not going to let you answer that question. I'm just going to move on. So um, the, the thing is, like sometimes they get super famous and they get super weird and they're not nice people, but Nick Koser is actually like a really cool dude, and he's uh, a famous charlatan now. Yeah, that guy is all over my timeline. It's it's pretty insane. 
and he does a good job. The dances are pretty sweet, and also he was one to try to mimic all of the fashion outfits of Cam Newton and Kemba Walker. There yeah, was a drip. It was pretty crazy. Drip I looked chronicles. at that. I looked at that picture of him mimicking Kemba Walker's outfit heading into Spectrum Center. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how down to the most minute detail he's got it straight on well, with so what Kimba wore. Here's a pro tip. If, you, if you've if you seen these Drip Chronicles, follow him on Instagram because he'll do Instagram stories showing you how he makes the outfits because he it's a lot of arts and crafts to sort of fake it. And like, for example, there was a hat that Cam was wearing that had this interesting uh, circle uh, effect happening on the hat, and but it was 3D. It was like a stitching kind of deal, but it, they were all little circles and Nick took Cheerios and glued them to the hat to, to <laughs> fake the effect. But from far away, it looks perfect. Uh, so, yeah, go check that out. That's pretty cool. Hey, speaking of social media, we have a tweet mm-hmm. to read. This one from Mark on Twitter, at mhoover1215. I was catching up on Tuesday's podcast. In reference to the car wash conversation, did I actually hear Doug say to Walker, that he's getting a bit off subject. Did Doug really say that? Yeah, yeah I did say right. that. I'm trying to keep. Yeah. I'm trying to keep this podcast focused, focused on me, focused on what I have to say, my opinions. That's what we're trying to focus on here. Yeah, that's right. You did get me off. Yeah, you tried to. You tried to accuse me of getting off subject. I'm glad he called it. I because don't know I'm that the subject. That's Thank the you thing. You're getting so. off the subject. My subject. Jonathan Abrams wrote an article on the Bleacher Report about Terry Rogier that's got people kind of mad, Doug, especially with how it starts off. Mad online. And here's the thing. I think when I read this, there might be people listening to this podcast that maybe takes a step back and thinks, oh, maybe I overreacted to that real quickly. Maybe I maybe I read that and got immediately angry and did not read this carefully. Yeah, enough. yeah. People are normally introspective about that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So I'm interested in this because people are so angry about this one thing. And of course, it has to revolve around Michael Jordan. So Jonathan Abram, Abrams, not Abram. You know where I'm getting that from. Jonathan Abram is the safety that has everybody pissed off with the Oakland Raiders on hard knocks. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about this because it's it's football and I haven't been paying attention. (laughs) So that Jonathan Abram everybody's mad at him because apparently he was so bad in episode one that he was trending on Twitter for how bad he was. People were so annoyed. So episode two, they completely went away from him. That was the rookie safety, which is, which is, which is weird, which is weird by the way, right? Because it's a television show so they can edit it any way they want to. Right. I mean, they can look, they can make anyone look great or bad just by what they put in there. I mean, it's like bachelor in paradise. Like these people go on here and you don't know like who's really the villain and who's just really being portrayed badly. You don't read Jonathan Abrams article here. So Jonathan Abrams, we're going to go to the second paragraph. Terry Rozier spent much of the night dreaming of what it would be like to light up Madison square garden by the following night. Not only the Knicks, but also Phoenix had offered Rozier a contract, a bigger, better one. Rozier thought, we're going to have to take that one, he thought. Then the Charlotte Hornets beckoned. Rozier remained inclined to accept Phoenix's bid. That was when Rozier said, Michael Jordan, the Hornets' principal owner, intervened. Quote, Mike was overseas, and I can just picture him probably having a cigar in his mouth, and the words he told Mitch Kupchak, the GM, was like, Get him over here. 
Do what you need to do to get him over here. Doug, I'm going to read that again. Okay. That was when Rogier said Michael Jordan, the Hornets principal owner, intervened, quote, Mike was overseas and I can just picture him probably having a cigar in his mouth and the words he told Mitch Kupchak, the GM, was like, get him over here, do what you need to get him over here, end quote. Doug, I read this, and it differs from what everybody else reads apparently on Twitter. Sounds like it's exactly read, sounds like it's exactly what happened. <laughs> I read this, and I don't think people accounted for the word picture. <laughs> I think people just completely skipped over that. I think what people read was Mike said to Mitch Kupchak, "Do what you need to do to get him over here." And in reality. Terry Rozier said, Mike was overseas, and I can just picture him probably having a cigar in his mouth. And the words he told Mitch Kupchak, the GM, was like, get him over here. Do what you need to do to get him over here. Doug, people are mad for, I think, an, a vision that Terry Rozier had in his brain. Well, see, the, the problem is that this is an article. It's, a, it's an article on, on BleacherReport.com, not an, not an interview. Because if this would have been an interview, you would have heard this sound like the dream sequence sound like i can just imagine michael jordan is that what it sounds like the dream scenario and no it's no this, it's that you know what i'm talking about it's the sound no i do no i do that, I do. that you play I know exactly or that about. that you hear when on like a television show someone is recounting something that either they thought happened or did happen doug people use this in order to destroy Michael Jordan again, right? I'm not ba I'm not batting for Michael here. I'm not saying that Michael Jordan is the greatest owner in the world. He's absolutely not anywhere close. I'm going to clip that out as you saying that Michael Jordan is the greatest. It's easy that's an easy edit job. You just said Michael Jordan is the greatest owner in the NBA. But in this case, people were berating Michael Jordan for meddling in basketball operations and what Terry Rozier is saying is that he can picture him. Now, there are questions. Maybe Abrams did not clarify this enough. Maybe Michael Jordan actually did meddle. But the way that it is literally written, he's saying that this is a vision of Terry Rozier. And yet everybody took this and said, Michael literally was overseas with a cigar in his mouth, even though he says probably with a cigar. Like Terry Rozier. Isn't that what people do, Doug, to be funny in tweets when they're reporting and sarcastic reporting? Say, Michael Jordan, probably. Like, what? You, what you, is going on? You say the word written. You say it sassy. You have a sassy rendition of the word written. You say. I'm being a little sassy. You say right written. Now. It's written. It's, it's important. Say it again. Written. <laughs> <laughs> I did it on purpose. That That's time. awesome. Hey, so here's the thing about Doug, the, here's a, help me out here though. Well, help me out. The I thing is, stay, I think Jonathan I wrote it. Subject. Jonathan wrote it perfectly. The, the problem is nobody, everyone reads headlines and no one like really digs down into these articles. They're just, they're skimming for things to be either super excited about or super angry about. And so, yeah, when you publish something like this, you never know what people are going to latch onto and you never know how that's going to get disseminated. And it's like a giant game of telephone that's happening amongst millions of people online or, you know, in this case with the Charlotte Hornets, probably you know, hundreds of thousands of people, but you never know how this information is going to ultimately find its way to people because that's the thing. When people repost this article, they'll, they will blatantly repost it as Michael Jordan was on a boat and told Mitch Kupchak, go get it done. 
and they won't they won't put any of the context and that's the that's just sort of the dangerous you 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 do feel for the players I think a little bit when they say that the media got it wrong like Kevin Durant or something because things like this do tend to happen and you go who is at fault is it the reader for not digging enough and getting the facts or is it for the the person that wrote the article for not going to great lengths to clarify something or is it the people that are reposting this stuff incorrectly i will say one thing that i find interesting about the whole thing the whole uh thought that terry rozier had about michael jordan and it's this that the things that people don't like about michael jordan how close he is with certain players how he you know this perception of him meddling or doing things it's the thing that certain players like and like terry rozier liked the idea that michael jordan or his idea that Michael Jordan got on the telephone and was like, get this done, get to bring Terry Rozier to Charlotte. Like he could have gone to Phoenix. He could have gone to New York, but he decided to go to Charlotte because of Michael Jordan. And if the Terry Rozier thing works out for the Hornets, then you got to hand it to Michael. And if it doesn't, then Terry Rozier kind of put him on a, put him in a bit of a corner there. Yeah. I I mean, you know, th- he does go on to say some other things. He does go on to say, I look at it just as a team organization believing in me, knowing that I want to prove myself in this league and giving me the chance is bigger than anything and their willingness to pay me a right amount of money. It was just big. And the guy that was behind all that was Michael Jordan. It's still surreal to me. I mean, OK, so the guy that was behind all that is the owner of the team and people put Michael Jordan on this pedestal because he's Michael freaking Jordan. I just I don't know man like I, I just wonder when we talk about Michael Jordan meddling there are reports that Michael Jordan meddled in the Frank Kaminsky draft selection and the thing that people have a problem with in the Frank Kaminsky selection I don't think anybody absolves Michael because I think people realize Michael wanted Frank Kaminsky that's not what people have a problem with it's that Danny Ainge reportedly offered 13 first round draft picks to the Charlotte Hornets in order to get ahead of everybody to get Justice Winslow that's what everybody has a problem with. I don't think anybody disputes the fact that Michael wanted Frank Kaminsky. I don't dispute the fact that Michael has meddled before. I just, people are really angry, Doug, about this particular article, and I don't see anything that is hard evidence that says, yeah, Michael made sure that Mitch Kupchak got this deal done with Terry Rozier. He could have. He could have. He could have gone to Mitch and said, go get it done. But the way that it's written here, it's not that. It's not the hard evidence that everybody seems to think it is. People are mad at Michael because they think that Ainge offered him, you know, 27 picks. Uh, because if you just look at that, if you go back and look at that draft, like Stanley Johnson's nothing. Justice Winslow's not going anywhere. Frank Kaminsky's not going anywhere. So, like, that whole that whole section of the draft is a wash unless you truly believe that Steve Clifford, uh, you know, had a thing for Devin Booker, who I like to call Devin Snooker because he's never going to take a team to the playoffs because all he cares about is <laughs> scoring and his numbers and, and dropping 50. And it's forget been a while. It's been a while since we bashed oh Devin my Booker God. on this forget podcast. Forget about Devin Booker. This guy's going nowhere. Anyway, uh, but no, I totally I totally agree with you. This this whole article. You know what? The, the thing is, though, it's not the scariest thing that Terry – it's talking about Scary Terry. It's not the scariest thing that Terry said in this article. You know what the scariest thing that Terry said in this article? What's that? Quote, I always live by, if the opportunity come knocking, you got to be ready to answer. And this is the opportunity to me, for me, so I was born ready for this. Oh, my God. No. Born ready. No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, God. 
<laughs> it's, is he Lancey, Doug? Just, is Terry Rozier a little Lancey in your eyes? He just because sum, he just I can see a little some, Lancey from him. He just that summons seems, some dark parts of our past. <laughs> Born ready. It also reminds me of Rashad McCants' tattoos. Do you remember those oh, tattoos? Oh, Born to be hated, dying to be loved. A couple of characters there that it references too. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, Rashad, that. if he was dying to be loved, he had a funny way of showing it by being <laughs> just you know the most miserable person and and just talking crap about everyone that tried to help him. All right, do we have enough time to get to more stuff from this Abrams article? We want to try to get him on the show next week, correct? Yeah, Aren't let's save it. Let's save it for him? next week because I need to read more about this. I, there's some interesting backstory on Terry. I mean, look, I think you have to walk away from this article unless you're just completely biased against the whole move and you're like oh my god the hornets overpaid terry rosier i think you walk away from this article going man if anyone is due to succeed in this league with an opportunity with a little bit more run and a little bit more leash it's terry rosier all right thanks for listening and remember you can subscribe to this show on apple podcast google podcast and spotify and when you get in your car Tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. Also subscribe to Patreon, patreon.com slash LOH. We had a new, uh, I think we had a new person that signed up, Doug. We appreciate them Caleb, for doing so. Caleb, shout out to yeah. Caleb. Thank you, Caleb, very much. Be like Caleb, everyone. Sign up again, patreon.com slash LOH. We'll be back with you next week. Written. Written.